Dee Dee Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight back with us is Jason Snyder from Fort Wayne. And I had so many people ask me about this story. Jason, you got to tell us about this story. It's been killing me all week. Okay, so uh, which which story are you talking about exactly? Okay, you had told us that you did an investigation here in town and you actually, the police got involved. Oh, good gosh, yes. Oh, this is fascinating. This is one step closer to they're they're out there. Which here's the thing, Um, you know, it's it's really really. um, I I still talk about this case today. As a matter of fact, Mm -hmm. I was just talking about it the day before yesterday to somebody. Um, So uh, let's let's rewind all the way back to uh, I believe 2009. And and please forgive me on dates and things because I don't have my notes readily in front of me you're fine um, as this was an old case with an, another team of mine um so i get i i get a message from a guy who says that his aunt and uncle live in a house in, in fort wayne and that they think that they are experiencing um abnormal amounts of paranormal activity mm-hmm. so like my first response to him was like abnormal question mark um you know, what's normal and what's abnormal when you're experiencing paranormal, right? You know, exactly. So, <clears throat> yes, yes. So we, we can, so I continue on through him. I get a hold of his aunt and uncle, and he says, well, look, we moved into this house about a year and a half ago. And my wife and I will notice that when we're sitting up watching TV at night and the kids are in bed, that there will be things that move through our house. Mm-hmm. And he says that when we experience this on those nights, Everything in the house goes completely dead. That's remote control batteries, um, mm-hmm. phones, everything. Right. Um, and I said, well, I said, well, I said, well, you know, that sounds to me like it's it's something that we need to look into. And immediately, once we, we got there to do um, an on-location meet and greet with the family, mm-hmm. um, 
we we could we went around and started doing what we call baseline readings of uh, basically EMFs. So we're going around and we're looking to do what we call baseline readings of electromagnetic fields. Those are natural fields that occur around us. And basically, we're doing baseline readings on those because we just kind of want to get an idea and make sure we're not dealing with a um, what we call fear cage situation. Mm-hmm. And basically, what a fear cage situation would be, you could just imagine something that had, um, that had some bad wiring to it in a small enclosed area. Let's say somebody had a fan or a heater that was built into the bathroom wall, and it would be emitting large amounts of electromagnetic fields and being that you're in a small enclosed area for a certain amount of time, that high amount of EMF will cause you to have nauseousness, paranoid feelings, feelings like you're being watched, feelings like you're not alone. And that's why they call it a cage. It's basically a high emittance of electromagnetic fields in a small enclosed area. So we go through and we're doing baseline readings because obviously we know that in a couple of weeks, we're actually going to come in and do an investigation of this house. So we want to be able to compare any of our atmospheric readings with that night. So mm-hmm. we went through there and at points in time in the house, there were the readings were at zero, which is mm-hmm. normal. And sometimes up around a 0.7 or 1.5 can sometimes be normal too. But, there were pockets within this house where it would go from zero and then all of a sudden staying in the same area, um, it would jump up to a two or a three milligauss and then it would go back down to a zero again. Hmm. Now, yeah. So now throughout the entire time that we were doing baseline readings throughout the house, we were trying to find out if something was emitting it. Can we can we narrow it down to bad wiring? Sometimes old wiring will do that for you. Um, n- none of this sort, though. Okay, the house was solid. It was an older house, yes, but um, the house was solid. Um, but we couldn't figure out why. So myself and um, one of the engineers on the team, and he was an engineer. He's a thermodynamic engineer. Mm-hmm. And after we got done doing the readings, we went out and sat on the on the front steps of the house because we'd already interviewed the couple and the team was in there collecting other data. And uh, we were just mulling over the readings and, and how they were erratic and we couldn't figure mm-hmm. anything out. We look up right in front of us and there's actually a power substation about 200 feet away just across the street. Okay. Would that have so, an effect on those readings we or the think energy? We think it did because as we would stand out on the steps, we would hold an electromagnetic field meter, an EMF meter, like a K2, mm-hmm. um, and it would register zero. So we set it down on the step and we let it sit there for a few minutes, and a few minutes later it would jump up to three and then go back down to zero again. So, you know, our, our thing was is we didn't have a fear cage incident or a reason to, to constitute a fear cage place inside the house. So at that point in time, we must have figured that uh, if, if there was something paranormal going on in this house, it had all of the energy in the world that it needed to pull from because this substation was literally right across the street and it was creating erratic readings, including the ion count inside mm-hmm. the house. <clears throat> so... Um, you know, fast forward to the investigation. 
Um, we have a command center set up in the living room, and it's looking straight down the hallway into the kitchen area. There's a basement there, mm-hmm. and the basement was kind of a was kind of a creepy place, even for adult people. I mean, even even as an investigator, there's been a lot of creepy basements. I mean, we walked down this thing. I was like, you know, it's not that bad, <laughs> but there's really a feel about this place. And he says, well, you know, um, <clears throat> our kids don't go down here. I don't blame them. Imagine because it's it's creepy, and you know they had a slide lock, a chain lock, and a deadbolt on mm-hmm. the door, and they had five kids. And the reason why they had called us was not only because they were experiencing paranormal activity, but the kid had the ten-year-old son in the family. <clears throat> excuse me, had woke up and said that he saw a man standing in his doorway. Hmm. So, oh, <laughs> that was. <clears throat> right. So that was one of the that was one of the causes, you know, for concern was the kids were affected. Okay? Right. They said they never talked about it in front of the kids. You know, they kept to the talk amongst themselves. They got five kids. They don't want everybody being scared of the dark and sleeping yeah. in one room and everything. So he tells me that he that his youngest daughter is growing out of some toys and he takes some toys and he puts them all in a plastic bag and takes them and places them in the basement. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they would give them the goodwill or something sometime down the road after they've accumulated a little bit of stuff. But he said that it had been about a week or two since he'd been in the basement after he took those toys down there. And he went down there one day and the bag was opened up and there were like my little ponies that were mm-hmm. set up downstairs in the basement. Now, mind you, uh, <laughs> this was in the back corner of this basement, like where there would be a, uh, a cleaning cellar and right. a coal shoe. I mean, it's just not where you'd see a kid to sit down and play with My Little Ponies. And um, <clears throat> so, you know, the first thing I thought about, and I says, well, show me the area. So we go down here, we look where the bag is. The bag is sitting there, and the bag is untied. So I'm thinking a five-year-old, if she wanted to get to her toys, the first thing she would have done was that she would have ripped the bag open. But the bag wasn't ripped. It was nicely untied. But you can see these My Little Ponies set up down there, and you can see where somebody had been playing with them because there's little drag marks in the dust of the floor. And you can definitely see that somebody was doodling with them and moving them around on the floor and whatnot. And, uh, you know, so at this point in time, we're like, well, do we have a spirit of a little girl here? Now, that's that's kind of what's really got me at this point. Right. So we turn around and go back up the stairs. And there's a hammer and a screwdriver on the step. Now, four of us just walked down these steps, and there was not a hammer and a screwdriver there. Hmm. Homeowner then tells us, that's crazy, because I was down here cleaning up earlier, and that hammer and screwdriver appeared right on that step, and I have not used those tools. He says, but I can tell you now, I put them away. Right. And now they're back. So, you know, we're... You know, at this point in time, we're kind of looking at each other, kind of shrugging our shoulders, like, well, maybe somebody in, in knew that we were going to be here today mm-hmm. for this investigation. Okay, so we showed up at the investigation. We get all of our cameras set up, all of our audio set up. And we, at this point in time, we're running around with a, a cameraman because we're trying to film and put a DVD together. Mm-hmm. M- multiple investigators had um, high eight um you know, cameras that were equipped with night vision that we were walking around with, as well as boom microphones and things of that nature. So myself and one of my other investigators then go down to the basement. That's where we started. Okay. 
And we were down there questioning and doing an EVP session. And about five minutes into it, the um, basement door opens up. And we just heard footsteps right above our head where the, where the person had walked into the mm-hmm. kitchen. So the basement doors opened up. We automatically imagined that it was probably the camera guy who was filming. Right. He's very, very quiet. He can't talk. So he's got to move throughout the house very, very quiet, stealthily. So, you know, I look around the corner and look up the staircase and nobody's there. Oh. Even though we just heard the footsteps, even though we heard the creaking of the basement steps, where we heard and watched the door open and close on its own, nobody was there. Hmm. Um, which was actually captured on our cameras, by the way. I had a camera looking straight down that oh. hallway on the, at that door. So that door opens and closes, and there's nobody there the entire time. So did you feel like the hair stand up on the back of your <clears throat> neck? Oh my! The hair is standing up on the back <laughs> of my neck right now, Dee Dee, telling you about this. Like that's the, how weird it was. The energy in the place must have been intense at that point. It was for them. It was for them to to manifest that way so they can you can hear them they're doing stuff they're putting stuff in front of you that must have been pretty intense we thought so too but the most intense part hadn't even begun oh no (laughs) so (laughs) yes so you can hear the audio play as a matter of fact i I used to play the audio Mm -hmm. when i would tell the story because you can hear me say to the other investigator you hear that, the creaking noise, and you can hear it on the audio. And she says, yeah. And I said, oh, the basement door just opened. And you hear me yell to the cameraman. I says, Rob, is that you? Mm-hmm. And there was no response. And then that's when I peeked my head around the corner, and I told her, I said, there's nobody there. But the basement steps were creaking at that point as if somebody was walking down there. I'm looking right at him. There's wow. nothing there. So... They stop about halfway down, Mm -hmm. and that was it. So we continued to do an EVP session. Of course, I'm calling out to my team and asking everybody where everybody's at. You know, I I need everybody's location. We think we're experiencing activity down here, but we're not really sure. And everybody's like, oh, no, we're in the front part of the house, you know, in the bedroom. Nowhere along where we were hearing the noises and stuff. So we actually... um, we continued our EVP session after that point with absolutely nothing to, nothing notable happening, okay? okay? And after about an hour or so, we decided to take a break. And um, I, we start to talk a little bit amongst ourselves about what just happened because we're trying to debunk it, and we couldn't. Yeah. And so I says, well, when we go back in here and do it, this, this next hour of investigating, I want to switch it up. And I sent, the, I sent the girls on our team down into the basement together along with the cameraman and <clears throat> i had i'd asked i had asked the one investigator i said when you go down here please focus your your questions toward the little girl that we think might be in here okay and so she walks down and she introduces herself and introduces the other investigator and then she says do you like it down here in the basement and you hear this little girl clear as day she just says not really Uh just kind of matter of factly like that and you know anytime that we audibly hear something on the investigation and it's being recorded we always try to record us debunking it 
So the first thing right. that she can think about is she's looking at everybody going, did somebody's stomach growl? Did I really just hear that? She couldn't believe. And, and everybody was like, no, look, we heard it too. Um, right. And it was actually captured on three different recorders that were strategically positioned in the basement. Wow. So, um, yes. Did yes. your heart, so, like, almost break hearing a child? Like, that would just break my heart. Um, it, anytime, that you, anytime that you hear something of a response that sounds like it's a child, um, whether mm-hmm. you know anything about the history or not, you, you, you kind of do. You yeah. really do. Because you want you want to think that all of your loved ones and all the innocent people who deserve to be in heaven have passed on and have gone to a better place. But thinking right. about them being in limbo is very, very difficult if you are an empathetic person. And that I am. Right. And, um, you know, so what ends up happening is, I mean, and, it's, and, and this whole thing is not even over with. So when that is going on downstairs in the basement, we are in the bedroom of the children that saw the man standing in the door. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're in that bedroom and we're doing questioning. And about five or 10 minutes into questioning, I say, I say, um, I need you to physically move something in here if you can. And then I paused and I said, I need you to physically move something. Or I need you to physically tap on something in here. And right in front of our face, in the center of the room, in midair, you just heard this loud snap. I mean, snap. Mm. It's not a snap like I've heard of anything except for maybe a, a snap of electricity. Like if it right. was going up like a Jacob ladder, it would create the arc and snap. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounded like. But it was just a single snap. And, um, you know, so at that point in time, you know, you hear me say to the investigator, you know, what the hell was that? Wow. Because it happened right in front of our faces. And, we're, you know, we got flashlights on, so we're looking around. Did a toy fall? Did something, you know, that could have created nothing? I mean, it happened right in front of our faces. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just kind of hear me, matter of fact, I'm just kind of laughing about it. Because I'm, at this point in time, I'm thinking this, this people who do not believe the paranormal. Mm-hmm would not believe this kind of stuff that we experience when we're in a a house that's really hot like this. Wow. You know, and I'm just kind of, just kind of, I'm chuckling a little bit because I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) this is just crazy. So, um, you know, we go through, we do, we go through the rest of the night. There was little to um, no uh, other interaction. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the the girls come up from the basement and they start to talk to me about, you know, they thought they heard the voice of a little girl. You know, we're taking a we're taking a few moments break, so we're just talking things over. But the girls were hell bent on going back to the audio and grabbing that recording, and yeah. so they found the recording. And I mean, we literally, you know, we're listening to it on all three recorders. This little girl responding, and we're just we we're we're in complete awe at this point. Um, you know, so we go through, we do a third session where we're doing EVPs, um, we're using multiple tools and, um, you know, for us, because we were so scientific at that point in time, we were collecting, we were collecting atmospheric data, both inside and outside of the house at the same time, because we honestly believe that when paranormal events happen, the, the atmosphere and the natural fields Mm -hmm. that we have all around us 
will then be disrupted in, in some way, shape, or form. So we were we were actually graphing readings from outside and inside of the house, and it would take a snapshot of those readings every two seconds and then graph it out so we could see it. So then we can go back and we can say, okay, hey, we had a paranormal occurrence, a personal experience mm-hmm. that happened here. Let's go back and look at those readings and see if anything changed in the atmosphere at all during that point. Right. So that was the purpose behind the readings and all the data that I talked about collecting because that was very, very important to us. Okay. So we decided to go nights on. Now, mind you, the homeowners aren't even here. They they got babysitters for the kids and they left the house. So they're like, we. I know we see it happen on TV an awful lot, but we always prefer to have our clients there in case anything happens, some uh-huh. breaks, whatever. But they were like, no, no, here's the keys, we're out. So, yeah. Oh, no. Well, they were scared, <laughs> apparently. They needed help. <laughs> but, yeah, they didn't want to be there to, to have anything happen while, you know, we were there. They just they, they, they just really didn't think that their nerves could take it at that point. So I'm, we're walking back down to the basement to kind of just kind of walk through places and check things out, maybe mm-hmm. do some last-minute readings and some EVPs. And um, I go to put my hand on the wall on our way down the stairs, mm-hmm. and the wall pushes in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you so when you open up a door to go down to the basement, you got a handrail, right? And then you got a wall behind the handrail. But do you remember that old seventies and eighties um, paneling, the wood paneling? Yes. Yes, yeah. of course I do. <laughs> of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep. So imagine an entire wall that goes down into the basement that's covered in that wood paneling. Mm-hmm. And as I was walking down, I didn't use the handrail, put my hand against the wall, and the wood paneling pushed in. Oh. So we were like, well, this is weird. Somebody turned the freaking light on. we got to look into this. Right. So we pulled the wood paneling off because it wasn't even nailed to the wall. And there's a door that actually goes into the into a cutout. I mean, there's a, a little door completely framed into the wall, and you open up the door, and it's a hole in the earth underneath the house. I mean, big enough what? to fit four full-grown adults in. Really? Yes. And the owners yes. knew nothing about this, correct? Nothing. Nothing oh, at all. Oh, that's just creepy. <laughs> Well, here's the, and here's the thing. These these poor people who lived in this house, they didn't own the place. They were just renting. So they had no idea what the history was. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, as it, as it turns out, and the details are a little fuzzy right now, but as it, but as it turned out, um, there was a case of a missing girl that was here in town. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the famous April Tinsley case, as most of us know. It wasn't mm-hmm. that one. There was another missing girl. We had several missing girls in, in the history of Fort Wayne, and she was never found. And the main guy who was under suspicion for that, he actually lived in that house and oh. tragically was on his way back home from Auburn one night, which is about 20 miles north of us here, mm-hmm. and was drunk and wrecked his car into a drainage ditch that was flooded and the car flipped upside down, and he drowned while he was strapped into the seatbelt. Oh. Oh. So not only... Oh, no. So not only... Right. <clears throat> so we didn't know any of this. Mm-hmm. We, brought out a, we brought out a historian who, um, we'll just say, had some connections, and we'll leave it at that. Um, I mean, very, 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 very good 
good connections. We'll leave it at that. And she starts to look into the history of this house because now it's a year past when she comes on to the team. And I told her, I said, go back and revisit this case and see what you can find in the history of this place, please. So once she realizes, you know, the name and she it's ringing a bell. So she asked one of the other people that says, you know, why is this name ringing a bell? And he says, mm-hmm. well, that was the guy that was, and we'll just say she worked for law enforcement, okay? Okay. And that was the guy who was the main suspect at that point in time. Wow. And we couldn't pin anything on him. And we never found the little girl. But before they could get any evidence or find anything out from the guy, he tragically died um, in a drunken driving accident. So um, I was really, 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 really interested to hear that we hadn't actually had a cold case department opened mm-hmm. up in, in that area. And... Um, after some, um, after the EVPs and the story was played about the investigation, that whole division was refunded and opened up for several years after that. And that was one of the cases they went back into. Wow. And nothing was ever figured out from that either, by the way, um, still dead ends, but it was interesting enough to where the people that really mattered were like, that's creepy as hell. And, yeah. you know, this, we, we're going to refund the, this department. This is one of the things that we need to be looking at, like ASAP. And, of course, I led to dead ends, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we did find the daughter of the guy who was 29 at that point in time, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, unfortunately for her, she was a mess. Um, you know, she hadn't had a good childhood, obviously, if you can possibly imagine as a father that he was. Right. Um, and it just transpired into a downward spiral in her adult life as well. So we really got nowhere with that either. Um, and then the the couple ended up moving out of the house uh, about a a year after that. We really wanted to get back in and continue to investigate. Right. I I don't blame them for moving. (laughs) Yes. Yes, and that was that was the thing. When we played the the audio and everything that we we had collected that night, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, you know, do you want us to to continue to investigate more? And I said, not right now. It's really hard on our nerves. Um, you know, we we'd like to have you come back in again down the road, but right now to go through all of this mental preparation, we we're just really tired, and we want to take in what you've told us today. Mm-hmm. and move forward. Now, we gave those people options to do all kinds of things. I mean, we gave them options to have clergy come in and have the home blast, to have it cleansed spiritually, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. And they were like, you know, they never really do bother us. We don't feel like we need to get rid of them. Really? Um, yes. And I said, well, I think it's the right thing to do to try to forward their progress and pass them on if that's yes. possible. But Move I on. can't do that without your permission, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I'll mind you, we, we didn't do cleansings mm-hmm. um, or blessings of houses, but we had the proper resources and we were willing to bring those people in. And they just, they were like, you know, it's good. It's okay. They just it's got used to them okay. maybe being there. You think after a while, yeah, part of the family. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that what it was is that they, you know, they had heard along the lines that sometimes cleansings and blessings didn't work. And right. sometimes when they happen, they end up opening Pandora's box and it comes back tenfold. Um, 
You know, yeah. and a lot of times we've heard that in a lot of cases where things die down and go quiet for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden they're just fierce and much worse. And I think that they were, they were like, well, as of right now, we're not physically bothered or feel like we're in danger. So let's not open up Pandora's box right now and go down that road. So we didn't. And, um, you know, I, I'll tell you, I passed that house probably four days a week in Fort Wayne. And not a day goes by that I pass it that I don't look about it. But I don't look right at it and think about that case because I'm just like, I just want to stop and ask the new people that live there, you know, hey, what's going on right. inside your house? <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything you know, I need I, to know? <laughs> right. Do you well, know just, of the I secret room in the basement? <laughs> right. Yeah. Now that really creeps yeah. me out. Why um, would you have a yeah. room hidden like that? That was very, very strange for us. I mean, we have found some of the weird things during investigations. That right there was something that um, we never anticipated. Right. I mean, and we really, I mean, really, honestly, we had no idea about the history. So we were just like, this is a really weird room down here. You know, I mean, that whole entire time. And then a year later, when we get that explanation, we we're going, wow, now that room is really starting to come into play. And I'm thinking, mm -hmm. you know, God, what was that thing used for? And, you know, um, it's just strange. It's very strange. And it's just a lot of things. A lot of people don't handle residential cases because they feel like they have to cater to the psyche of the homeowner. Like, right. you know, the homeowner, there could be all kinds of things going on with the homeowner. They could be on medications. They could be, you know, um, you know, traumatic childhood. They could be mm -hmm. on drugs. Who knows? Right. But, you know, so they're like, you know, so we just stick to these commercial places that we heard are haunted. And, you know, to me, I'm like, you know, I, I can go in and do an investigation without feeling like I have to cater to people's mental health. Right. I can compartmentalize those two. And, you know, we're, we're there to help somebody. We're only there to do what we're qualified, not even really qualified, but what we're there to do. And, if we can't find anything and have no reason to believe, then it's just we're up and gone. We don't have an obligation mm -hmm. to, you know, be psychologists for the family. We don't yes. do that. But a lot of people don't understand the residential cases sometimes are the best cases to investigate when good ones come across because you never knew what people had to hide behind closed doors in your family. Oh, exactly. I mean, if you think about what everybody would consider the good old days, mm -hmm. um, you know, the good old days, oh, yeah, it's crazy. People were gentlemen and people were really, I said, no, it's the good old days really weren't as good as you thought. Mm. There was a lot of physical, sexual, mental abuse that was going on behind closed doors. Sure. You know, in the old days, you know, women were thought to put their husband before God. And then God next, and then their family third. Mm -hmm. You know, so the whole things were just, I mean, if a woman was getting beat, um, physically assaulted in the early days, and she were to go out and seek help and blow the whistle on her husband, she would then have been looked down on. Mm, yes, for, very much so. For speaking out, you know, against him. You know, I mean, people just don't understand. It's the same thing with children. And as you go back and we're finding out more and more now, um, there was just as many pedophiles around 
in the late 18, mid 1800s, the early 1900s, all the way up until now. I mean, they they were more prevalent back then than they are now. I believe so too. I mean, yeah. There were. I mean, these things weren't monitored. I mean, look how many of them there are today, and just look how badly we're trying to crack down on them, and uh, you know, human trafficking and all that stuff. Yes. I mean, that that kind of stuff was never looked into back in the day. You know, so those cases in those old homes, uh, you never know kind of the can of worms that you're opening when you go into them. Right. Which ultimately sometimes leads to some of the more, um, I, I, I want to say more interesting cases, mm-hmm. but more, I guess more than interesting would be um, surprising, more emotional. Because yeah. you do tend to get inside of these cases and get information where you literally do feel bad for the conditions that people had to live under in some of these places. You know, I, I often always thought, I know when we were looking for houses, you can touch the wall, you can touch the woodwork, you can feel feelings. Houses have feelings. Yes. And you go into some of these older homes, and like you said, you feel things, you look into things, and it is incredible what people went through, even with disease. Oh, yeah. You know, now we have a yeah, pandemic, I mean, but can you imagine having polio or tuberculosis or any of those things? Yep. Yep. Typhoid fever. I mean, yeah. any of that. And a lot of times when a family member came down with something, a lot of times, like if grandma was dying, they moved grandma into the house waiting care for her. Yep. So they stacked generations inside of houses back in the day, not only because of that, but because people were poor also. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just been, there's there's so much. I mean, we investigated a place here in Fort Wayne that was one time a house. It was a small house, and the guy was very wealthy. He was one of the early settlers of Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. And as he, as he gained wealth and had kids that grew up, he made additions on the house. Mm-hmm to accommodate his wife's or his daughter and her son's new family. Oh, okay. So at one point in time, okay, case in point, if you see that uh, the ginormous house right there in Washington and Van Buren in the West Central neighborhood, mm-hmm. there's a really, really, really big house that's undergone a lot of renovations and painting and things like that over the last 10 years or whatever. But that's a house that's got like uh, seven to nine apartments in it. And at one point in time, it was a single dwelling for uh, for this guy. And he had, I think, four daughters. And so he built four additions, three additions onto the house, and then built a small two-story house in the backyard, which is actually, to most people, kind of looks like a brick garage. It mm-hmm. was built in 1833. I think it was one of Fort Wayne's first brick structures. Wow. And uh, here recently, they just announced in the news that it was being renovated, and they were turning it back into a two-story um, dwelling, huh. a living place. Interesting. So if you go down Van Buren, right before where St. Joe Hospital is and all that, it's right there. It's right down the corner of Washington and Van Buren Street. You can't miss it. And you mm-hmm. can't miss the small brick building. Um, but it was really weird because we investigated that place, mm-hmm. and... I was just talking to somebody, oh gosh, about eight months ago. And they're mm-hmm. like, hey, didn't you investigate this house? And I said, yeah, I did investigate that house at one point in time. Why? And they're like, well, you know, we used to live there. And I'm like, I did not know that. I knew these people over 20 huh. years. 
And they said, yeah, we used to live there. And we lived in, you know, the blah, blah, blah apartment. And even 25 years ago when that was, it was before I knew that, they said um, that place was haunted as hell. There was all kinds of things that happened there. It frightened the crap out of them. There's three girls. There's a mom and two daughters that live there. Oh, boy. <laughs> and they said there was all kinds of things that happened, not only to them, but things seemed to happen where personalities had changed in some of their friends. And, I mean, crazy stuff happened in their house while they actually lived there for over the course of a year. And mm. um, I said, you know, I'm not really surprised because – we were in one room in one apartment, and it was, um, God, I want to say it was about 65 degrees that day when we were there mm -hmm. investigating that night. And in this one room, the temperature dropped almost all the way down to 39 degrees, I think is what it did, right in front of us. Wow. Everybody was watching, and we had non-contact uh, IR thermometers. And I was sitting on the inside. I said, my legs and my body is just really cold being in here. And so we got the thermometer out and we're like, holy cow. And we just watched the temperature drop and drop and drop and drop and drop. I mean, 20 plus degrees, it's like in front of nine of us in a matter of that, 40 seconds, maybe. Wow. So we got very, very cold. And mm -hmm. then um, the batteries on our, um, on our uh, K2 meter, on our Mel meter, on our tri-field meter, and in both of our recorders all died at once. Huh. That's incredible. So where we really did, we had a lot of personal experiences there, but we never gained, we, we never captured anything on audio or video or photo that entire evening. But it was a very interesting investigation. Really? So, and I guess that's kind of what I like about it is, is because I, I I love the history as much as the mystique of the yeah. past. You know, I mean, I'm not only in there because I I want to help a family, or um, I'm doing research based on the afterlife. But I'm in there because I love the smell of old homes. Mm -hmm. You know, history is just I love it, and I live for it. You know, so to be in these old structures. Mm. Um, it's it's so interesting. You know, it's kind of like going fishing and not catching anything. You're like, well, right. I didn't catch anything while I was out here fishing, but I sure did enjoy myself out here being in the peace and quiet. And the same thing with some of these old haunted homes that you get into, you know, because TV wants everybody to believe that all these places are haunted all the time and there's so much going on and, mm -hmm. and everything else. But the reality of it is, is that what we really do is not all that exciting. Okay. Um, you know, you don't go in and, and get 25 or 30 EVPs in a single <laughs> night of investigating because, I mean, if the ghosts and the spirits were communicating with us that much, we'd probably know a little bit more about the afterlife, right. you know, than we actually do today. You know, the communication isn't that now. Now, unfortunately for us, though, um, we've had some really, really great cases. Mm -hmm. um, and all of the King's horses and all the King's men that we used to pull into the field, I mean, we had enough surveillance to arm a, uh, a casino. I mean, cameras, all the tools, all the bells and whistles you can possibly have, you know, day in and day out of these investigations. We were doing them three weekends out of a month. And, um, I mean, we even got to the point where at one point in time, we actually had a group of people who was actually reviewing our audio 
video and all of our photos for us because we couldn't keep up with everything that we were collecting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting what you said a little earlier on about you don't get like hundreds of EVPs in one place or all the time. And I always tell people just because you don't see something all the time does not mean it's not around. Absolutely. That and that brings and that brings my second point is is that I realized that early on because I was trying so hard to quantify mm-hmm. and explain things that you know for so long what I what I actually literally did was not being a spiritual individual was is I was working against what I was trying to accomplish. I wasn't allowing myself to understand the spiritual aspect and to take that in. Mm-hmm. Instead, I relied on my tools of the trade to do my job for me. Right. Now, I'm not a gifted individual today. Um, I, although I do respect it. I do respect, um, you know, I, I do respect the use of equipment and things like that in the mm-hmm. field. But although if I investigated today, I would take no more than a voice recorder and a notepad with me. And nine times out of ten, if I do an investigation, especially on an important case, I will usually bring a medium with me, somebody who can help me, because I don't, right. I don't see and feel like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And there have been a couple times now. <laughs> Dee, I can tell you the, the three times that I've ever been into a house, and I can point every one of them out to you, where I have felt something. And I knew it was wrong because I don't feel things. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't, and I know I can probably teach myself how to, um, but I never did that. But right. I can tell you now where I've walked into places that were so heavy that it stopped me in my tracks. Mm. And those three places. I don't even care to walk into them right now, to be honest with you. Even as a seasoned investigator, um, you know, and it's made me gain a higher respect for those who are um, empaths and those who are are psychic and they're they're mediums and they feel those vibrations and they're Mm -hmm. actually the conduit on a lot of those investigations. It makes me, it's made me respect that greatly. Right. To the point to where some of my best friends right now in the paranormal um, are psychic mediums, just simply because, not because of their abilities, but because mm-hmm. people who are spiritual are just beautiful people. You know, I really, really, really enjoy the friendships of those individuals on a, on a deeper level. Yeah. And I respect it. I respect it greatly. I, you know, to be honest with you, you know, people that are that are mediums and empaths and things like mm-hmm. that, they don't always have the ability to turn that off. They live that. That's their life. Exactly. You know, me, I can shut my voice recorder off and go home for the night. I'm not bothered by it. You know, mm. so I respect it greatly. And I respect people who try to hone their craft and spend many, many years trying to better themselves to help others. There's a lot of work that's being done out there. And a lot of people who really put a lot of time... They make it their life's work, and it's fantastic. And we have some very, very, very awesome spiritual people around Fort Wayne. Um, I'll just give a quick plug. Uh, 
Clearwater Serenities. Oh, uh, I love Julie. Julie is such a beautiful person. I had a, I had a chance to meet her um, several years ago. It was actually one of her birthday parties, like ten years ago, there um, yeah. at her shop, and uh, just. A super amazing lady. She's such a sweetheart. She's the lady and that then, did my um, soul retrieval. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you yeah. the best then. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. I love her. Yeah. She is, her knowledge is unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She's amazing. I, I love, unbelievable. I loved her. I'm so glad I found her. So, let me let me tell you let me tell you a funny story about that. I don't know if she listens to your podcast or not. So <laughs> She's been on my podcast, to... actually. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I get invited to. She's having a birthday party mm-hmm. at, at the place, and basically it's just a dinner and a celebration of people who take her classes because she offers amazing classes. There, she right? does. Yes, she does a lot of stuff. She's a hardworking lady. She really is. She is. It's and... it's no longer there. She's doing other things. You know that, right? I, you know what? I, I wasn't going to mention it since we were on the podcast, but I drove by there. It's actually a mile and a half away from my house. Mm-hmm. I drove by there um, not too long ago and said, man, it looks awful dark in there. I wonder if she's on to other things now. I did not know that she moved well, or she's, had closed up. Yeah, she's doing healings and stuff still over the phone, and she'll be doing classes. Mm-hmm. Um, she's amazing. She's amazing. Her okay. shop was beautiful. Yeah. Her shop was, her shop was beautiful. She had everything yeah. in there, and it always smelled good, and the energy in there was amazing. Yes, yes, yes. I miss so I, I miss my so, classes there. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet you do. I bet. So I get invited from a, a team member of mine who, who um, has been there a couple times in New Julie. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you know, it'd be just something cool to do on a, on a Saturday. I think it was a Friday or a Saturday. I can't really remember. She's like, you got to check this place out and meet these people. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Let's do this. So we're sitting in this room, and all these people all know each other because they've been in classes together. They all know Julie. I'm like the outsider. So they're like, well, what we like to do is we want everybody to stand up and kind of introduce themselves. So these people are just the new people, just the new people. So a couple of mm-hmm. people stood up and introduced themselves. And um, so she she walks over to the table, and I go to stand up and introduce myself. And she says, "This and this is Jason Snyder. He's new." And I was like, "Hey, you're beautiful." And then she was like, "He's a ghost hunter, and he goes out into the field unprotected." And everybody was like, "Boo!" I'm like, "Oh my god, you're kidding me! You put me on a spot." Oh yeah. um, But um, but I'm going to tell you, um, I had to work at 4 a.m. in the morning, so I had to cut out kind of early from that. But mm-hmm. it was an amazing time. Everybody there, like I could have stayed there all half the night and just talked to all of these amazing people because that yeah. was one of the things that was really really great was the people that you met that right. all had it, all these things in coincidence that were just you know or that all these things in common with one another and. Julie was a conduit for that. And she yes. she brought a lot of really amazing people together over the years. Yes. She really has. Yeah. And then um Elderberry Treehouse is another yeah. place that I enjoy stopping into. Um Diana Diane Drennan is um mm-hmm. somebody who's been a part of a couple of my events in the past. She's a very, very sweet lady. Um and has a very, very good place as well and offered classes. Mm-hmm. And then um the Catalpa tree out in Grable. Oh, I, yeah, that's, that's a cool place, place too. 
The catalpa tree is very, very cool. And it's really, it's it's so weird because it's actually a metaphysical shop in the middle of Amish country. Yeah, I noticed that when I went there. I was kind of shocked. <laughs> That's <Very> all shocked. <laughs> Amish country out there. I mean, and here's the thing. Like, I, I was shocked, too, um, eight or nine years ago when I first noticed it, where it was. But now I actually, my companies do so much work in the Amish community now. I mm-hmm. just, I don't think anything of it. I absolutely love the, love and adore the Amish people. Um, they've always treated us very, very well. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the Catalpa Tree is a, is a beautiful place. And I'm probably missing one or two of those shops. But those are the three mm-hmm. that I've really connected with um, over the last 10 or 12, 13 years um, that are just very, very notable, good people that have right. influenced me one way or the other. Yes. Yeah, there those are the three places I went when I first moved into town here. And then I found mm-hmm. Julie and I was very happy at that point. Yeah, a lot of people are drawn to her. She um she's really done her work. She studied shamanism for over 25 years, which always has fascinated me. And mm-hmm. you know, I took a lot of her classes especially on the cleansing and things like that. I have to, I cleanse my house like three times a year. I think that's so important. I have to get them out. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay, I get you want to talk, but I'm busy. Come on, go, go. (laughs) No, I can't really remember, but during our our last podcast, did we all talk about um, paranormal hitchhikers? Um, I, I don't think so. I've heard that phrase before, and they're the they're well, the little things that like to latch on to certain people, and they like to come yes. home with you. Yes. yes, and they like light. I know that if they know you see yes. them. Yeah, I've yes. had a couple of those buggers myself, and I think, I you know, I think a lot of people have. Yeah, know? absolutely. I mean, and I and that's that's where the whole spiritual world started with me was. You know, I, I said, this is absolutely real. Now, I understand I built a house in 2006. It was a brand new house. There was mm-hmm. nothing notable about the land whatsoever. Right. The house was perfectly fine. It was always fine. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, um, I'm taking a shower and I'm home alone. And as I'm taking a shower, I hear a female humming. Oh, no. And she's humming this beautiful song. Mm-hmm. And I can hear it. Almost like she's not inside the bathroom, but she's just outside the bathroom door. Oh, my. And <laughs> i turn the shower off, and I would hear it for a second, but it would go away. Uh-huh. So this happened to me, um, I, I'm guessing somewhere like right around 2010. No, it was in 2010 when it happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she... It, it was a thing where it seemed like I would randomly hear a female's voice um, one or two days a week. I'd be in the shower. I would hear the humming. Wow. And I just, you know, for me being the guy who was, this, not, I mean, I'm a skeptic first on anything, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, you know, am I hearing things? It's got to be something, you know, that I'm just not thinking about. And maybe it's the way the water's hitting the tub. It's creating a weird sound, whatever the case is. <laughs> but then one of my other investigators comes over to the house. Now, mind you, I don't, I don't talk about this stuff with people. Mm-hmm. Because I'll be honest with you, as much as I go out looking for it, I don't want it in my house. Well, no, nobody does. 
You need to get you some sage there. I've learned my lessons, okay? I, I, I have regular cleansings done by friends now. And Good. I have ever since this time. So, um, you know, the whole thing about it was is that uh, um, Samantha, um, my longtime case manager, has worked with me since 2010. So about 10 or 11 years she's been with me now. Mm-hmm. She came over. We were getting ready to work on um, – a booth, we were going to be making an appearance at a, um, a Paracon. This was before I was actually hosting them. So I said, hey, come on over and let's work on this stuff and get this stuff done the weekend before. That way we're not, you know, cramming things at the last minute. So I'm, I'm out in the backyard talking to the neighbor. She shows up. She comes in the front door. I, I come back in the, the rear door, the slider. And she's standing at the base of the stairs, and she's like, who else is here? And I said, uh, nobody. Uh-oh. It's literally just you and me. And she looks up the stairs. She says, no, I heard a woman's voice upstairs. <laughs> and I said, that's impossible. We're alone. Go have a look. So um, now fast forward now. Uh, the, the following weekend, we're getting ready to go to the con and it's Friday before the Saturday and we're finishing up things. Mm -hmm. And she says the same thing. She says, this time I heard Carla. Somebody said, Carla, you're the female's voice. And I said, I don't know what to tell you. I think you're hearing things. She says, I'm not, I swear. So now I don't, I'm not talking about this with anybody. Mm -hmm. It's not front page news to me. But about a week and a half, two weeks later, one of my other investigators comes over, and she says the same thing. <laughs> Who else is here? And I said, <laughs> nobody's here. Why? She says, I, it's weird because I just heard a female. And I'm like, now I'm going to say something. You know, okay. Now you said that you've heard a female. Sam had heard a female, and I've been hearing a female. Now... The weird part about this was is that, you know, I'm thinking, well, if it is a female ghost, she, she must be nice. So my so I, a couple <laughs> a couple of weeks later, my dog, which has never, ever responded to anything, he's just a fat or lazy thing. Mm-hmm. He's standing in the middle of the kitchen. He's the only one that's in there. Mm-hmm. He's standing in the middle of the kitchen, and he's looking up at the corner of the cabinets. No windows, no doors in the spot where he's looking. And his hair is standing up on the back of his neck, and he's growling. Oh, did you bring something home so, with you, didn't you? <laughs> I'm freaked out because now I'm thinking, you know, first of all, he's looking up in the air. So why would, you know, the spirit of a woman be up towards my my cabinet area, towards the ceiling of, you know, I had 10 foot ceilings in there. So, you know, I mean, I, I just can't imagine that there's a, a woman's spirit here that's just hanging out on the wall. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of starting to kind of wonder things, but... I, I just couldn't, I was trying to put two and two together. I'm like, you know, I just can't figure out why he was so focused in that area. Mm-hmm. I had a dream about a week after that, that I had woken up and walked down my stairs and had walked into my kitchen to make my coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. And there was a really terrible, nasty looking thing. Uh, I, you will go ahead and use... We'll go ahead and use demon, monster, whatever it was. Oh, my. But in my dream, this thing was clawing, stuck to the wall and crouched uh, in the same exact area where the dog was. And it scared me. Yeah. It scared me. It would okay. me, too. 
So now I'm thinking, you know, what is going on now? Now I, I really honestly don't know what to think about this whole entire situation and everything that's going on. Um, but then in the middle of the day, um, my girlfriend tells me, she says, something just walked across your living room and I can't even explain it. I don't even believe in the paranormal, but I don't know what the hell that was. It was a black wow. thing. It just walked across your living room. It was like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, my. Yeah. So for me, I was like, all right, look, I've had enough. I I don't want to investigate to find out what it is. I couldn't <laughs> even begin to tell you exactly what it could be because I had done over those last two or three months. I had probably been in 10 haunted locations and investigated at least seven of them. Eight right. Of them. Some of them were insane asylums, oh. some of them were hospitals, some of them were hospitals, yeah. just regular houses. There's no telling. Yeah. No telling. So um, I actually did call some clergy in. I said, look, I don't know how to combat this, and I'm just going to hit it from all angles. I'd like a blessing done in my house, please. <laughs> the and sooner the better. <laughs> so, so he went around, I mean, he did too. He went around with the holy water and, oh you know, did crosses over top of all the doorways. I mean, he did his whole thing. I mean, it was impressive. And then I, I then I had, I had called one of my spiritual people in and said, hey, look, I need you to come into my house and do a cleansing. Um, she did three of them. Right. Back to back to back. Every weekend for three weeks, she came to and did a cleansing. It was about a two-hour time, time frame, too. She spent a lot of time in the house. Wow. And, um, Eventually, it just all stopped. Well, you're it very lucky. Yeah, be very lucky, because Lord knows what took a ride on you. They certainly wanted to be well, in your I house. <laughs> I honestly thought that I was. I thought I thought that I was up for a battle. To be honest with you, because mm-hmm. things don't normally go away after your first attempt. Right. You know, we definitely know that, and a lot of times when it doesn't, it usually comes back. You know, even worse. Yeah. So. Um, whatever it was, um, it really wasn't, it wasn't a big deal, but I can tell you that it was about three days, four days after the final, um, cleansing that she did that I got into my car out in my garage and was leaving for work at four o'clock in the morning. I was a baker. I was working (laughs) at the bakery downtown Uh and, uh, baker's hours. So, um, but I, as I was backing out of my garage, I literally felt as if something was in my backseat. Oh, I hate that. Mm-mm. Oh, I mean, that's the worst the feeling. The hair, I'm driving down the road and the hair is standing up on the back of my neck. Mm. And I just can't, I can't pinpoint it, but I'm just like, I don't understand what this is all supposed to mean to me right now. I'm, I'm not equipped to right. deal with this stuff. Um. And it was from that point. Now, let me tell you, that was the very last experience that I had a feeling of anything. Heard anybody, had mm-hmm. anything happen, no complaints from anybody, nobody hearing or seeing things. So it was gone. I mean, I was glad. Right. But now I'm, but now I'm going, I, I really need to shift gears here, you know, and right. kind of start to open myself up a little bit more. And the more you because... open yourself up the more you're going to see and feel. Yes. yes. And that's the way it's been, too, in, 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 in my investigations. Mm-hmm. I've allowed myself. And here's the thing. It wasn't out of the realm for me to sit down. I, I could sit down and listen to somebody like 
um, like Julie mm-hmm. or Diane or somebody talk about spiritualism and talk about whatever topic. I can listen to it all day. I love it. Yeah. But I've never practiced it. You know, mm-hmm. and so for me, it was about, um, you know, okay, well, when I thought that I had so many answers for so many things, I realized that I, I don't really know whatsoever what what I've been doing this entire time and how much I've literally missed out on. Right. So the spiritual path for me, although I still want to see, <laughs> I would love for the spiritual path to bridge um, science at some point down the road, and I think mm-hmm. that it really will because mainstream science is coming out with a lot of breakthroughs that supports a lot of things. Yes, yes, definitely. Spirituality talks about it. Yes. which I absolutely love, and it's helped me along the lines. But being more of a spiritual person, now being more protected, yes. um, being spiritually smarter about things, you know, um, it's helped me a lot in a lot of cases that I've handled since then. That's you know, awesome. Just mad at myself that I wasted so much time, you know, um, basically going out and whining the activity, but investigating it in a way that I was literally shutting it out more than trying to invite it to, you know, for, to be mm-hmm. part of it. And that was that was a big thing for me. Jason, yeah. I don't think you were wasting time. I think it was going to happen when it was supposed to happen. That's a good way to look at it. That is that is a very good way to look at it. And, you know, I mean, even, even today, I'd, obviously, I mean, if you investigate four or five, six, seven years or you're investigating three out of even two weekends out of a month is an awful lot on, on anybody. Yes, you know, it is now I very, 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 very shy about taking on cases anymore. As a matter of fact, all of the cases that have come through my inbox in the last two years, I've referred out mm-hmm. to other people, other trustworthy teams that I know would be able to give better focus and better service to somebody who really needed that help. Mm-hmm. I'm so busy right now. I can't really, you know, I feel bad at entering it, you know, a bunch of cases where I was supposedly trying to help somebody or trying to get out there and gain information when, you know, my mind is elsewhere. I'm worried sure. about work and my business and I'm so fatigued because I work too much. I mean, I'm really not doing any service doing it. Right. So, but I did, but I did just agree to take on a case in Southern Indiana. Oh, incredible! And maybe incredible we'll get to hear what? about that at some point this year. Uh, I certainly hope so. That um, would be probably, awesome. probably more sooner rather than later. Um, it seems to be accelerating at a rapid rate as far as get, attaining information. You know, a lot of people don't understand. A lot of times, the biggest part of investigating is getting the information. Mm-hmm. And learning about what you're working with long before you even arrive. Right. And so we, this one unfortunately is, is taking me to the point to where I'm bringing in a very, very well known um, psychic medium. And on the case, somebody who I've been working with for, for many, many years at a capacity for events, but never on an actual private case. And um, 
I've actually brought in uh, uh, quite a few um, historians to look into this because it's such a desolate area where we're going to be investigating that the town isn't even incorporated. Oh, that's awesome. I, I can't wait to hear about it. I really can't. I it, has, cool. it, has all of, it has all of the very, very good elements. And I... You know, Dee Dee, I don't know about you. I mean, have you have you taken on any cases? Have you done any paranormal investigating? I mean, what is your experience? My experience is just things I've seen. And like I told you before, it runs in my family, and I see them all the time. <laughs> I can't. I'm one of those people, and I've tried to hide it. Like, I, for years, I hadn't said much. Um, my husband's used to it. My friends are used to it that are close to me. But one reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because I'm looking for answers, not only from my inside and spirituality, but it's nice to know you're not alone out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. You know, growing up with that ability was really hard on me, actually. And I kind of danced to meditate. Hmm. That's an interesting take. It would be very difficult, especially if you're young, dealing with yeah. those. And I often tell people that I know that's been dealing with this since they were children. I said, I don't know how you did it. I don't. As an adult, there are still things in this field that scare the shit out of me. Um, yeah. Because they're real. And things happen unexpectedly. And, you know, I don't expect to have this stuff happen, but when it right. pops up and slaps you right in the face, you're just like, my God, what was that? What in the hell is going on here? And, I, you know? and I'm like, and if you talk to a lot of people that use it quite a bit, they would tell you sometimes you just don't expect. It just happens, and you have no control. Right. They're there. Right. You hear it, see it, feel it, and then next thing you know, you're. it just takes over, and it's difficult. I have a lot of respect for people that do it for a living because I think it would mm-hmm. be a very difficult profession to be honest with you but yes as my podcast yeah. goes on people will know me better and and know the people i'm interested in better and that's one reason why i wanted to do this is because mm-hmm. i think people that do this are incredible whether they're trying to prove it's wrong or they're trying to prove it's real they both right. are legitimate and there's answers out there there's more to life than just who we are physically this is absolutely to me this is a very temporary state but why we're here i think we need to find out what's going on around us i think it would give us more respect for each other as well and nature very important i, I truly believe and i was talking about this on the podcast uh, mm-hmm. last week i truly believe that we are living in a time the best time to see the advancement in all of the this and all of the beliefs and to see the true wonders of the universe because now it's being brought to the forefront so much right now. Right. And I, I absolutely love it. I love it. I love it. But the worst part about what I do when somebody says, look, I have a haunted house who I get a hold of and somebody just goes and Googles paranormal investigators in Indiana and my face pops up. <laughs> Good so old media. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So sometimes, you know, in the, in the early 2000s, it was a craze. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, it was a craze. I mean, Ghost Hunters was being aired on 
Oh, yeah. TV sets. And, I mean, it, it literally was the number one show on television for a long time. That says a huge amount mm-hmm. about something. And, you know, so, you know, there was there's so many times when you had to decipher whether or not you were dealing with somebody who was really serious about these claims or whether or not they just wanted to have, they just, it was just cool to have ghost hunters in your house because everybody wanted to tell spooky ghost stories because they heard things in the home. Yeah. So you get kind of accustomed to knowing what to look for and what not to look for when people are explaining things. Yes. And so when this one come across, like I couldn't figure out how some lady who lives all the way down on the southern border of Indiana, that borders uh, Kentucky, we have zero mutual friends whatsoever. And she's asking me if she can look at, if I can look at these photos and, and, and talk to her because she's dealing with something. So I, I, I call her and start to talk to her about the photos. And at first I looked at the photos and I went, oh, God. No, 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 no. Here we go. <laughs> I said, let me call this lady and talk to her, though. Right. And when she said to tell me the reasoning behind the photos, because I thought, really, the photos were just explainable anomalies until she explained the photos to me and why she took the photos and how she reacted to all this. Well, I'm talking to somebody who hasn't had social media or internet access at her own home in the last 13 years. Wow. She's pretty much shut off to the world. And so she's not part of the paranormal craze, and she doesn't know anything about what the heck is going on. And the way she's explaining all of this stuff, mm-hmm. it's in a way that she's explaining it to where I'm going, oh, my God, this is hitting on every level of this. she's got a legit problem here, and I really want to get into this. Right. I mean, I... I don't often I don't often say this. I mean, I'll talk to somebody and I go, I just want to think about it and go over a conversation. I'll be in touch with you. Mm-hmm. But I told her right there on the phone, I'm like, nope, absolutely. I'm I'm going to take this case. And then this is probably the only case that I will take in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't taken a personal case for close to three years. Wow. And I'm going to oversee this case and I'm going to bring in some really, really great people and we're going to figure out what the heck is going on at your home because you're hitting on so much right now. Everything that you want somebody to explain to you and how they explain it was just perfect. Wow. And do you know much about synchronicities? Mm, Not a lot. Okay, so imagine a situation where there are all kinds of things that are in common with that individual, things that seem to be in sync with things of your past, your studies, right. to the point to where she's like, okay, so I what? Uh, 45 minutes into the conversation, I stopped her and I said, how did you find me? And she says, well, I just typed in paranormal investigators, Indiana. In your profile, picked you know, kicked up, and I said, mm-hmm. "Okay." And she was like, "But I'll be honest with you," she says, "My ex fiance has the same first and last name as you." That's weird. And I went, "That's weird," but mm-hmm. it continues to get, but it continues to get even weirder and weirder. So, um, you know, the, the amount of synchronicity that's involved that just came to light within that first conversation. And I won't go too far. I want to keep everything on, you know, sure. under anonymity now but um 
I just thought to myself, there's no way that this is, that this is really happening right now. And I mean, now I've, I've now had six and a half hours of phone conversations with her in the last two weeks. Um, I've, I've never met the lady. Um, and, uh, it's just, there's just a lot of layers to this. And I'm just, I'm excited about the case. I'm excited because I think I can help her. Um, you know, and now I'm talking to this person and there's so much synchronicity going on. I literally feel like I've known this person now for 20 years and it's so weird. It's the whole feeling behind this is just very, very strange to me. Right. And it's a, I'm very, very interested. So I'm hoping to get through it over this year, getting a couple investigations down there, getting her some answers, maybe getting some answers for us. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to come back and talk about it. Uh, we'd love to have but, you. I mean, I just have a feeling it's going to be, you know, obviously when I handle personal cases like this, mm-hmm. it's not a four or five hour investigation and then we're out. It's mm-hmm. usually several investigations, sometimes over a two year period even. It continues. I mean, we put a lot into and a lot of resources into this. Sure. So, and I, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. It to sounds do anything ex- for myself. You know what? It so, sounds like this person needs your help. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. She she needs my help. She needs help of the resources that I'm bringing in yeah. as well. More from them than myself. To me, I think I've been a um, a solid a solid mind for her. Mm-hmm. I have been able to tell her that some of the things that she's dealing with is, is very, very rational and, and not paranormal. Mm-hmm. And then there's just a whole other aspect of it where I'm just going, it's unreal what you're telling me right now. Um, and it's, it's nothing over the top. It's all mm-hmm. very small minute things, but it's the way that they've happened in the instances they've happened. And there's a lot of past trauma that's involved in it. You know, so it's the, it's beyond, it's beyond me, far beyond me, you know, so I'm bringing in some, some really, really good, um, heavy guns to, that can really help her. They can help her, uh, you know, so we're all going to come together and we're all going to put some time together and we're going to go down and we're going to investigate and, uh, you know, see what we can do for her and, and, uh, and her daughter, because I mean, right now they, they don't feel safe and they don't feel comfortable with where they're at. Well, I'm going to send you lots of blessings because I think what you're doing is going to be incredible for this lady. Tell the people what your podcast is, Jason, so they can listen to you on iTunes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we we do have a podcast, myself and a childhood friend of mine, uh, TJ Gilbert. We mm-hmm. actually host the Fire Lanes podcast. That's F-I-R-E-L-A-N-D-S. Um, and basically we cover everything from missing persons to true crime, serial killers, to UFOs, to government conspiracies. Awesome. And we, we even pull on guests from the movie world. So, um, tomorrow night, we're actually going to be live on our Facebook page, Fireless Podcast. Um, and our guest is actually going to be a gentleman named Jeremy Ambler. Okay. And Jerry has been on, uh, been in, and been part of eleven or twelve different shows, including Dukes of Hazard, mm-hmm. The Killing of Lincoln. He is the poster child for The Walking Dead. So when awesome. you see a lot of The Walking Dead merchandise that has the zombie on it, uh-huh. that's always used on all of their promotions. That's him. 
Awesome. So he's been on Wrong Turn. He's been, you know, he's been in all these really, really crazy, um, gory movies. <laughs> um, super nice guy. Super nice guy. We can't wait to sit down and talk to him for an hour. So that's from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow night. Awesome. Live on the Firelands podcast. And then, yes, I've got all kinds of events coming up. So our first one coming up here right around the corner is going to be Saturday, May 15th. Um, I'm hosting a murder mystery dinner at Post Town Elementary in Middletown, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's sold out. Um, awesome. And then after that, on June 12th, Saturday, June 12th, we're doing a murder mystery dinner at the Hannah House, which is going to be the first hosted event there in two years. Cool. Um, that also is sold out. Uh, yes. Um, but going to be a great time. And then um, after that, uh, let's see here. The next thing is is the Hannah House Paranormal Meet and Greet, which uh, we just uh, released those details. And that's going to be Saturday, August 14th. Awesome. Um, it's a free meet and greet. So it's, it's chock full of paranormal vendors and metaphysical mm-hmm. vendors, um, pop culture authors, actors, actresses, writers, directors, the whole nine yards. Um, that's free to attend. Okay. It is a kid-friendly event, so it's open to all ages. Okay. okay. Uh, there's food that will be provided there. Um, it's a six-hour or uh, yeah, eight-hour event. So it okay. starts at 10 a.m. The gates open at 10 a.m. at the Hannah House, and the event will conclude at 6 p.m. Okay. And then we've got something going on that night at the Hannah House, not an investigation, but I cannot release those details yet because we're still in contract negotiations with them at this point. Cool. And it's still going through, but I can guarantee everybody is going to love it, especially if you're a fan of the Hannah Mansion. And then uh, September 24th, 25th, and 26th, they got non-con six, which mm-hmm. is another huge um, meet and greet paracon, I guess if that's the way you want to go about it. It is also open to the public open to all ages, and free to attend. Awesome. Okay, so come in and meet all of these wonderful, awesome people for free. And then if you want, you can buy tickets for the investigation of Post Town. Mm-hmm. Those are still available, $40 a person. Um, we got an investigation scheduled for Friday night and Saturday night, and they can get those tickets on the website at, uh, I think it's posttownschool.com. Mm-hmm. And then um, in October, there is an event that's on the horizon, which I cannot name at this point because we're still obviously in the constructing process of it. We haven't press released it yet, Um, but it's going to happen down in Louisville, Kentucky, the first weekend of October. And we are really, really excited to get that launched and get that out to everybody as well. And I think after that point, I'm taking the rest of the year off. Okay. (laughs) That sounds like you're doing a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hosting these events um, take anywhere from uh, 80 to 120 hours of total time um, on the internet planning and mm-hmm. talking and vendor forms and a lot of working cogs behind these events. Even the small murder mystery dinners are there's a lot of working sure. and a lot of working cogs and moving parts. Well, Jason, I want to have you back after that investigation because you've got us all curious. Also, if you want to see Jason's events, you can log on to my Facebook page, DD Moonflyer. And Jason, I'm looking forward to talking to you very soon. 
Well, thank you for having me on again, B. As always, you are a gracious host and a wonderful person to spend an hour with. Thank you. You too. And, uh, just let me know when we can re- we can reschedule, and I will keep you posted on what's going on with that investigation. I'm sure it will probably be a couple months from now before I'm able to give you anything on that. But I'd love to be able to get anybody an update on that if they're interested in hearing about it. Great. And make sure you post all your events, please, on my Facebook page anytime you want. Well, thank you very much. I will make sure I do that. And if anybody wants to get a hold of me or wants to friend me on Facebook, I do have a fan page. I hate the name of that word. (laughs) But uh, they can also find me at Jason Snyder as well. They can send me a friend request to either one, keep it up to date, or if they just want to be a friend and be part of my good morning text messages to everybody. (laughs) All right, Jason, I will talk to you soon. You have a wonderful weekend.